Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Mountain Park family, so good to be online with you. It's been so long. For those of you who aren't meeting with us on campus, uh, it's just great to be able to meet with you and talk and preach. And uh, this is the first time I've preached in a while, so I'm just so excited and humbled to be able to share the word of God, what he's laid on my heart today. And, and I can tell you that I've been working on this sermon. Uh, I've written it four times. I'm, I'm, it's, I feel like I'm just like, so excited to share with you what God has laid on my heart to share. God's been doing such great things in so many people's lives. And I'm just so excited that even in this season of quarantine and all the things that we don't have answers for, um, we do have Jesus as our answer for for all things, and so we can turn to him. And so I just wanna jump into the word uh, today, but before I do that, I do wanna, so many people have just asked me how things are going, how's Jess doing, how are the kids? I have three girls, Eloise is six, Adelaide is four, and Rosie is two years old, and they are just doing so good. I'm so blessed to to be a girl dad, um, and just be able to care for my girls and love them, and it's it really is a blessing. We've been having a ton of fun. This week's weather has been amazing. So, so thankful to be able to be outside at the park running around. And uh, on Tuesday, I think I was in shorts and a t-shirt in November, which is crazy because last year um, we had a snowstorm, I think, around the same time. So this has been a real blessing and I appreciate the fact that we can be outside in this time of quarantine. Um, let's go ahead and just open up in a word of prayer and then we're gonna jump right in to what God wants to say to us. Lord Jesus, we do invite you. So, so quickly, what we do is that we actually um, jump into information and we bypass even just how real you are. And so what we do now is we take a breath and we just invite you into this moment, into the living room, the kitchen, our house, our home, and we confess that without you, we are lost. And so speak to us today. We don't wanna hear um, human words. What we want is God for you to speak to us through the words that are spoken today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, Andrew asked me to, to conclude this series, the Restart series, and he asked me just to share a little bit about what God has done in my life and around this concept of the ministry of Jesus. Um, I was thinking, as I was kind of unpacking that this week, I was saying, what God is a God who actually doesn't get ministered to, but ministers to his followers? That's how great Jesus is. And not only did he come at this Christmas season as a little baby and live 30 years and die on a cross for us and go to the grave and then ascend to the throne. And at that point, you know, then we might say, okay, well then now it's time that we serve and minister to him. And we do through worship, but really he ministers to us. What a mystery that he actually is the King of Kings creator and he says here, 
Let me minister. Think of him as he's about to go to the cross and he, he washes the feet of his disciples. This is the, the creator God, the king of kings, and he lowers himself to minister to his disciples. What other God does that? What other God would take himself off the prominent place and lower himself to serve so that we would be able to be in right relationship to him. No one other than Jesus. And so we have this amazing opportunity to serve this king who is a servant in himself. And so today um, we want to finish on the ministry of Jesus in a place of, this is, the, this is what we wanted to end on. Jesus' ministry takes truth to reality, or takes true to real. You may say like, well, okay, that, what does that actually mean? Well, it means taking something that seems true and make it reality. It's something that we often do, and, and we're so, we so do this in, in the Christian walk. And, and so here's what we do. We are faced with a problem. And now for you, maybe it's, maybe it's something that you've carried your whole life. It's, it's a lie that's maybe been spoken over you. And you actually, we have this thing that we carry. Or for you, maybe um, you've walked into a situation maybe that you created or that has just happened to you. I mean, this quarantine season is a perfect example, right? Where we are just in a situation that has happened to us and we must now adapt. And it, it, what do we do with that? How do we respond to it? Well, so often the church's answers, followers of Jesus, here's what we say. We say, find the truth and we, we quote this, and the truth will set you free. And then we just leave it there and we're like, okay, let's move on. But here's what I wanna propose to you today. I want to propose to you that Jesus is not just truth, because he absolutely is, but he is real and he wants to enter your everyday life. Now really consider that. Consider the idea that he's not just true in concept, but he's real. This is Emmanuel, God with us. Not just in the form of a baby where we sing the great Christmas carols of Emmanuel, come, O come, Emmanuel. But this idea of, no, 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 that's the example of what Jesus has done now. He's not just distant, but he is here with us, not just as a baby, through the cross. It's this beautiful, when the cross, when he died on the cross, it says that the veil in the temple, the veil that separated the the common man from the presence of God was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing that no longer was there just a place where God's presence was, but actually it was now released, not just to be omnipresent. He is everywhere in concept, but actually present with us. Emmanuel, God with us, real in everyday life. And I know, right, this is just a normal concept. This is like a church, like, yes, God's real, amen, he's alive. But we still understand it as far away and a concept. I say this, we almost carry it like a banner, like Jesus is our banner over us, 
but he's not real in our situations. We need to get to the place where we invite Jesus into the ordinary, mundane places of our lives, where we are sitting at home and we say, Lord Jesus, be here. We're in a fight with our family, our child or our spouse or coworkers, and we actually stop and we say, Lord Jesus, be real in this moment. Be real here. Guide me and lead me. Take Psalms 23 and take it from a concept of that's really great that he's my shepherd and actually believe that I am a sheep and he is the good, perfect shepherd leading me through all the things of life and I don't have to be afraid. What would life look like if we took Psalms 23 and man, we didn't just take it as an intellectual truth, but it made its way to our heart and our soul. And we said, Jesus is actually with me in this hospital room. Jesus is actually with me in this marital strife that's going on. Jesus is actually with me and with my child when we are hitting the, the, our heads and our arguments, not actually hitting, don't actually hit, I'm not saying actual hitting, I'm saying we're actually in a place of an argument and it feels like, um, my mom used to say, we're at loggerheads um, where we can't actually get through. Jesus is there with us and <laughs> I'm learning this, as a father, Jesus is actually there with our children and we can trust him even when we feel like we're out of control or we don't have the control. And so the real question though is this. I like the idea of true to real. I want Jesus not to be truth because he absolutely is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. But how do we take that truth and move it just from a mental understanding, an intellect of, yes, this is true, this is good. And how do we move it to the place of him being real and present? And so I have three things that I want to invite you to do in your life to make Jesus real. First is this. We must invite him to identify the idols in our lives. And now I know, right? Idols, that's Old Testament. We don't have, you know, household carven idols out of stone or metal or wood. So that doesn't really apply to us. Ah, I think it does. I love this quote by Tim Keller. He says, anything more important than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to have or seek to give you what only God can give. That is an idol. See, you may say like, I don't really think that there's any idols in my life. But I think actually there are so many things in our lives that are idols. And we actually put ourselves in positions where we worship those idols. And I know you're saying, well, I don't, I don't worship, I don't bow down. But sometimes we allow our fear to be a form of worship. 
We allow our fear to be louder than our faith. And so in that, we actually miss an opportunity to let our faith step louder than our fear. Let me ask you this question. This may help you identify some idols. What in your life is bigger or louder than God? What do you allow to inform you more than the truth of God? We all do this, right? We all do. I do it. There are situations that I'm in and my fear is screaming out loud and my faith is cowering in the corner. But we know this, Paul writes Timothy. He said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. See, it doesn't come from God, fear. And so we have to realize that Faith is how we actually worship the Lord and honor him. And so what in our lives are these idols? Maybe for you, it's a lie that someone's spoken over you. Maybe when you were younger, someone simply had a passing term. I remember in grade seven, a teacher, I was, just, I was trying to read something and I was stuttering and falling and he thought I was just being silly and a joker because that's kind of what I am. Um, but I was actually trying and he said, Alex, stop being so stupid. Maybe you're like me and you, those words, they define you. And you allow them to either tell you that you are that thing or you spend your whole life fighting against it to prove that you're not that label. Or maybe it's a situation that has happened to you or a situation that you have created and, and this thing is actually the idol in your life that you actually believe it has more power than the truth of God. And we would never say that, but we actually live it, right? I used to say this to my students all the time. You know, we say God is the most important. What happens if one week you just were filmed and somebody watched the film of your life and they simply said, what is the most important thing that this person values from the film that you watched? Would they say it's God or would they say it's something else? See, we have to understand that idols are not just something that is Old Testament. But actually, idols are anything that take the attention of our hearts, that actually steal our focus more than God. So I invite you to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you in what that idol is. There's two kind of people here. One, you know right away man, that lie, it, it informs my life and it's, it actually has a louder voice. It's like Goliath, his, his booming voice is louder than the voice of God. Or there's, there's another person where you, you actually are like, man, I don't, I don't actually know what is, is an idol in my life. And, and what the good news is that in John 16, 13, Jesus said that he's leaving and he's telling his disciples that I have to go and it's actually better that I go. And he says this, but the spirit of truth will come and he will lead you into all truth. There's good news. If you don't know the idol in your life, just ask the Holy Spirit for he is the spirit of truth and he will lead you into all truth.
And so once we get to that place and we ask Holy Spirit, lead me into what, what is an idol in my life? Like Brenda said, what is the one thing that I need to focus on? What is that one thing that you're asking me to lay down? How do I get there? And once you get there, now step two comes. Now, just in case those of you who, who are intellectuals and love to study the word and you're like, man, I'm a little bit nervous of what you're saying, Alex. Are you telling us that we should just be living on feelings and just, you know, hopped up on all these emotions and not worry about reading the word? That's not true. Point two is this. We have to know our truth and not just our truth. We need to know the Lord's truth. Right? There's a lot of that like, know our truth or know your truth. I wanna tell you that we need to submit ourselves to the truth of God and allow that to speak to us. The truth of God is our truth. We submit ourselves as followers of Christ under his lordship, under the word of God, so that it might direct us and lead us. And so when you find and identify that idol in your life, that lie, the situation, the problem that you're facing, we come to it and we say, Lord, direct me to your truth in the word of God so that I might retrain my brain, right? I might retrain my thoughts with your truth so that the lie, the situation, the problem gets put in perspective of who you are. So, you know, you're dealing with anxiety and you find Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and it reminds you, that you actually should not worry. The words of Jesus, don't worry or be anxious because look at the birds and how God provides for them. Look at the lilies of the field and how he actually clothes them. Why do you worry? Will it add a single day? No, seek first the kingdom of God. And then you jump to the writings of Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And it reminds you, that you shouldn't be anxious in anything, but with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, bring your request before the Lord. And the promise, not just the, the conclusion, but the promise from God is that he will guard your heart, well, no, mind and heart in Christ Jesus. Man, I think of that like this. You know, when you're anxious, sometimes your mind, it runs, and you have all these reasons why you're overcome and you're defeated. Ah, when you pray, it says that he'll guard your mind. And there's sometimes when actually things don't even make sense. They're illogical. Most of this time I say it's, it's between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. You wake up and you have all these thoughts and all these worries and it's a heart worry. It's not about your intellect. It's actually just about emotions and you're, you're, it's raging and you don't quite understand it or quite feel it, but you're overwhelmed and you feel anxious and it says, hey, 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 bring it to the Lord in prayer. Man, when you know that truth in you, you have that truth. You have to say, this is true. This is not true. The lie needs to be exposed with the truth. See, and this is where we quote that verse, right? John 8, 31. And the truth shall set you free. Sorry, I believe verse 32. And the truth shall set you free. But we actually don't read the, the verse before it, 31 and 32. It's important to hear what he has to say. So let's read it together. Turn with me in your Bible. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, 
If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. See, that's the part we always quote, and the truth shall set you free. But we don't hold on to the first, which it says you must continue. Some translations say this, you must hold. So we have to know the truth. You're dealing with fear, you need to get the verses that say, Lord, you are my strong tower. You are my rock and my fortress, an ever-present help in time of trouble. You do not give me a spirit of fear. And if it doesn't come from you, I don't want it. But you give me a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. You need to claim those truths, but not just know them intellectually, we must hold on to them. Which means when the storm is raging, Jesus says this in his teaching, when we build our life on his foundation, on his teaching, the storms rage, but we hold on to his teaching that says, oh sure, my, my livelihood may be rocked right now. Everything that we've built our life on, like what do you build your life on, politics? Oh, that's crazy right now. Economy, oh man. So many questions. Normal life, will it ever go back to new normal? Like we, we have so many things that we held on to as our foundations and they are rocked. But when we have the truth of Jesus, we can hold on to those. And it says that the waters will rise and the, the wind will beat against the house. It will shake it, but we will hold on to it. And that's, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't, the truth shall set you free when you hold on, when you continue in my teaching. This is where, can I tell you, most of the church in Canada, we are Bible illiterate. We are more about pop psychology than we are about the word of God and we need to have a love affair with the word of God. I can, this will date me, but I can remember when I, I had my first girlfriend, um, not true, I, in grade two I had my first girlfriend, but when I had my first real girlfriend and she sent me a letter from camp because she was gone all summer. I remember how excited that was. I opened the, opened the letter and I read it and I was excited about what was being told to me about her, her experience, what was going on with her, what she was asking of me. It was exciting. Well, we need to be like that with the word. This is God's revelation of himself. He's saying, here's how you know me. Fall in love with my word, know it. You wanna know my character? Know my word. And then when the storms come, they'll, they'll will shake your walls, but your foundation will stay. See, we have to know the truth. We have to hold on to the truth. And that's where we mostly end. We just say, no more. Hold on to it. Just do better, Christian. That's actually not where it ends. The truth is a powerful beginning. And we should read it. We should memorize it. We should meditate on it because it will form us. It will retrain our brain. But... We have a living Savior, Jesus. Step three, what should we do? We should invite Jesus to be present. When Jesus is present in your life, it transforms 
truth to real. It takes what is true and makes it reality. Man, for me, can I tell you that I grew up in the church, I knew some Bible, but it was concepts, it was intellect, and I came to know Jesus, um, but I had a really hard time with understanding Father God and, and knowing him intimately. And I can remember being at one camp uh, or a retreat and they taught on Father God. I don't remember the teaching. Um, it wasn't, I don't, I, I don't remember what it was. I was a teenager, so um, I focused for like five seconds and then moved on. But I do remember at the end, he said this, who would like to experience the Father's love? Now, up to this point, I knew, I knew Romans 8, where it says, Romans 8, 14, that we actually know that we are adopted into the family of God because the Spirit of God tells us, it gives us witness that we are adopted. Verse 15, 16, 17 tells us that we can actually know God as Abba, this endearing term that we can actually say to him and know him and actually be intimately related as son or daughter to father. The concept was there. And I held on to the concept, but I didn't understand it. See, I had grown up in a family where my dad had moved out and started a new family when I was three years old. So he'd come to visit, but he would leave. See, in that moment where I asked for prayer, I remember being prayed for, and it was like truth went to reality. And he actually, it was like he gave me a vision of what, who he was, of what it meant to be a son to a father. Because to that point, I had so many questions of what that meant. And I can remember being there praying, and literally I felt the arms of the Father wrap around me. I know it sounds kooky. I know it sounds like, oh man, this is emotionalism. No, 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 no. As real as anything, it was like he wrapped his arms around me and he gave me a vision of, of me as a young boy when I would love to put on my Wellington boots, go outside and jump in the puddles. But, you know, when you have two sisters and a mom, they don't love being in the puddles as much as you do. Um, and so I would out there alone. And he said this, clear as day. When you thought you were alone, I was with you there. And in that moment, the understanding of God the Father went from true to reality. And something moved in me. And for the last 15, 20 years, it has defined my relationship with God, that he isn't just a concept, an intellectual truth that I hold on to, but actually he entered my everyday, ordinary life, Emmanuel, God with us, and he said, I'm there. Let me ask you this question. Where do you need God to move you from truth to real, from true to reality. 
Where are you holding on to truth, which is beautiful and great, but you need to invite him to enter your situation so that he might be real to you and walk with you. We have a Jesus who is not distant from us. He is here with us, Emmanuel, God with us. I invite you right now, just bow your heads, close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit, where do I need to move from truth to real? Jesus, I invite you now to be real to us. So often we just live in this intellectual concept of you, but we actually understand that you came to earth. It said, you said that you must leave, send the Holy Spirit that we might know you intimately. Direct us and lead us, Lord Jesus. I pray for everyone watching. This week, I pray that they would invite you into their workplace, invite you into their marriage, invite you into that relationship that has strife and look for your guiding. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Peter says this, and I'll close. His divine power, Second Peter 1 verse 3, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now that's a lot. That's a mouthful for one verse. But I want to I wanna hone in on one, one phrase he says. Divine power has given us everything required for life, godliness, through the knowledge. That word, the intellectuals may be like, told you, it's all about knowledge. It's all about knowing. It's all about, and I totally agree with you, except for that word in the original. When you look at it and you see the proper translation of it, the concept of it is this. It is a firsthand experiential knowledge. It's the same word that Jesus used when he says, when he's doing the teaching in Matthew 7 about, um, or I think it's Matthew 5, when he's teaching about knowing false teachers by their fruit. He said, you'll know an apple tree by the fruit of it. Interesting, right? You know a tree by the fruit. It says that we actually can know we have everything we need to know through our experiential knowledge of him, Jesus. This invitation of knowing Jesus experientially, not just as a concept, but actually understanding him, knowing him in real life. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stop ministering to us on the cross, but that you still minister to us in the everyday. So today, my encouragement to you as you, as you go, well, I guess you're at home. As you're at home, <laughs> invite him into the everyday and see what he can do because he is king of kings and he is so good. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus, thank you. Have a great week, guys.
Continue to pursue Jesus because this world needs a revival and he's doing great work. See you guys. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.